here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. All right, folks, welcome to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino in for Mark. Uh, Mark has had a family member who is uh, very ill uh, and will be back on uh, Monday. So you'll hear more from Mark on that. Well, welcome to the show tonight. You have uh, not connected with your leader. You probably recognize my voice, the handy-dandy relief pitcher out of the bullpen, Dan Bongino. If you'd like to give us a call during the show, feedback, positive, negative comments, criticisms, whatever, we take them all, 877-381-3811. And, of course, if you're a liberal and you want to argue, we'd love to have you, too. There's nothing more than I like uh, than exposing libs on the air. So did you all happen to catch... The just epic performance of Donald Trump in that 60 Minutes interview uh, this weekend with Leslie Stahl. So I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm uh, at the kitchen table with my wife and we're eating dinner and it's on. And I'll, I'll watch 60 Minutes once in a while. I'm not really into, you know, NBC Nightly News or ABC News. I, obviously, I usually just keep Fox on. But once in a while, I'll, I'll turn on 60 Minutes to kind of see what liberals are thinking because they, they try to pers- portray it as a straight news show. Yeah, it's not. Um, it's really a liberal attack dog show like everything else. But once in a blue moon, they'll have some story that's mildly interesting. So I tuned in. I heard Trump was going to be on. And it was a complete... Complete, utter uh, dismantling. I, I'm not sure 60 Minutes has any idea right now how bad that interview really was for them. Um, it was a it was a train wreck for them. I mean, they just got run over by the Trump train. They had no idea what was coming. Now, the interview was conducted by Leslie Stahl, who, well, listen, I don't know. Leslie, I'm sure she's very nice. Personally, I have no idea. I've never met her in my life. But I've watched some of her interviews in the past. And they are always liberal activist narrative interviews. Now, rather than just going on about the Trump interview and how great it was, I want to leave you with something. I want to I want to talk to you about what Trump did, why he did it, how it works and how liberals are entirely not used to this in his style of dealing with the media. Now, contrast it with Leslie Stahl's interview with Betsy DeVos, the education secretary, which happened, gosh, I don't know, um, three or four months ago. And uh, listen, it wasn't a bad interview, Betsy DeVos, but she got cornered on a couple of questions. And Leslie Stahl was trying to advance a narrative. Leslie Stahl, when she's got into things like school choice and other questions like that, um, she was trying to advance a narrative, a liberal narrative. She really wasn't looking for answers. That's what liberals do. You know, when. When I ran for office, I saw this. Liberal reporters, which is 99% of them, they don't ask a question to get an answer. They ask a question to develop and advance a pre-existing storyline. On any question, it doesn't matter, folks. Throw it out there. On taxes, the pre-existing storyline is um, tax hikes are going to bankrupt the government and that they're always in it for the rich, the Republicans. That's the... That's they're not asking you a question about tax cuts. They're just asking a question to advance the narrative that you're on the side of the rich guy and screwing over the average American on health care. It's that you're looking to throw grandma off the cliff. You're cruel. You want people to die on schools. It's that you're starving public schools of money, despite the fact that public schools have records amount of it doesn't matter. They're not really asking questions. What they're trying to do 
is get a narrative advanced, and they're trying to do what's called framing. They're trying to frame the question in a very specific way. And they are used to doing this and winning because what happens? They ask the questions. The Republicans panic. You know, listen, there's these tax cuts and wealthy people are going to do well under these taxes. Of course they are. They're wealthy. They pay a lot of money in taxes. Of course they're going to do well under a tax cut. That's not the question. The question is, are middle class Americans, working Americans going to do well, too? And is the economy going to grow? But instead of a Republican just answering like that, oh, ah, ah, they hem and they haw and they're terrified and they backtrack and they let people like Leslie Stahl run the table. By framing, framing the question to advance a narrative. They are not looking for an answer. They're looking to put you in a corner. What Trump did in that interview was just beautiful. And it is a Ph.D. course in owning the libs completely. It is a Ph.D. course in how to handle the liberal media. He does not accept the premise of the question and turns the question into an answer he wants to answer, not an answer that's already, uh, you know, that, that they, they think they're going to get out of him by, by a, a pre-existing narrative and trying to advance it. He reframes it in his way. Perfect example was the question about uh, Washington, D.C., when Trump starts talking about how bad the media is. This is a... a this is Trump's narrative. It's a narrative that's true, by the way, that the media is biased against the American people uh, who, are, who happen to be conservative or even moderate Republicans. This is a that's a that's a almost tautological. Trump knows that. Trump is comfortable with that territory, talking about the media and their bias towards working class Americans and others. Right. So what does he do? He reframes it. Leslie Stahl, who's smart. She's listen, she's not dumb. She's very bright. She's just a liberal. She's liberal, you know, pretending to be a a journalist. Right. She automatically senses Trump's getting into this media war. She knows that works for him and she tries to stop him. She cuts him off. By the way, she interviewed him. I, I saw something on Twitter today, 64 times. And when they interviewed Obama, they interrupted him four times. But we figured that because that's what they do. Right. She interrupts him to stop him because she knows she's now playing on, on, in a, on the away basketball court here. She knows it. She's playing in his territory. She tries to stop him, and he doesn't have it. He doesn't have it. He keeps going and going because Trump knows that authenticity sells, and he's going to be authentic even if it comes with battle scars and all. That's Trump's M.O. He is not going to talk in focus group tested talking points. He's going to talk like Donald Trump talks, period, end of story, right? So the takeaways here, for anybody thinking about or or interested at all in running for office, becoming a conservative activist, takeaway number one is you reframe the question and reframe the argument to an answer you want to give, not to the pre-existing narrative they want to advance. Trump does it all the time. Watch, you know, folks, they sell this guy short constantly, constantly. The liberal media paints this guy as some kind of a buffoon, yet he is constantly having them back on their heels. So it makes no sense. Now, he did something else that's important. Not just did he turn around and and reframe this thing. He got the last word in. This is critical. He would not let Leslie Stahl in that 60 Minutes interview get the last word. He gets the last word. He did it constantly. And he did it one time. And what happened? What's the benefit of getting the last word in? Come on. This is simple. This is really easy. The benefit of getting the last word in 
is you talk last, and that's what everybody remembers. Stahl tries to stop him on when he goes on this uh, when he goes on attack with the media, right? And he keeps going, and then he says at the end, and you know, Leslie, and that's why I'm president, and you're not, and boom, that's what everybody remembers at the end, folks. That's what I think. This is the tough time the media is having with this guy. They don't understand that it's this sense of again a, a battle scars and all. An authentic, natural way of conversation. Sometimes it's uh, sometimes it's heated. Sometimes it's not. There are hills and valleys. There are the, the natural vicissitudes of the conversation. Of the conversation. He goes up. He goes down. But when he hits, he hits hard. And people are attracted to that authenticity. So he understands he has to reframe it. Number one. And secondly, he understands fully that he needs to get that last word in, and he did. And that's what everybody remembered. Because I'm president and you're not. Now, the reason I bring this up is not to just, you know, laud his performance and to point out what he did. But to show you how that performance contrasts with what's going on in the Democrat Party right now, which is a, a, just a litany of frauds in and out of the po- who are completely inauthentic, who they're... They base their entire campaigns around identity politics and class warfare, and it's collapsing everywhere. Exhibit number one, Elizabeth Warren today. I mean, who? what other president other than Donald Trump? What other? Forget about president. What other Republican anywhere, anywhere in the, in the entire movement could have gotten a, a, a major party presidential candidate 20, uh, in 2020, which everybody knows Elizabeth Warren's going to be, to actually release a press release indicating that she's possibly one 1,024th Native American. Who else could have gotten someone to do something so stupid? Folks, whoever is running the PR shop in Elizabeth Warren's staff should resign for felony-level political malpractice immediately. I have no idea what you think you were getting out of a press release indicating that your great, 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 is it four greats? or I'm not even sure, four or three great-grandmothers back may have possibly been Native American. I don't know what you think you were getting at us, but it was quite possibly the dumbest press release in political history. Who else could have done that? Trump has a unique ability, I'm telling you, to constantly own the libs by driving them to insanity. This is entirely inauthentic. Elizabeth Warren will not let this go. Let it go. Let it, this is embarrassing. Do you understand how this plays to the average working class American sitting there toiling for a living in a whatever kind of a job you work in, hanging sheetrock, driving trucks? Plumbing, electric work, you're an architect. You got to sit here and listen to a woman who put down on her form to gain some kind of advantage that she had Native American, uh, Native American heritage, wrote an entry in a, a cookbook about powwow chow. That's real, by the way. And is, and, and is possibly one 1,024th American. This is, I'm not giving the Democrats party advice. I'm just saying you constantly wonder, gosh, how did Trump beat us? How did Trump beat us? Because he's just a normal guy. Battle scars and all. Your people are fakes. You got this guy in Texas, uh, Beto. Beto, oh, he skateboards. He's so cool. Who cares? 
Who cares? You got Bernie Sanders. The rich, they're the worst. Bernie Sanders, he's like on his like third house now. Bernie Sanders. He makes a fortune. The rich are the worst. You are the rich. He is the 1%. Donald Trump's like, yeah, I'm rich. It's great. Bernie Sanders like, ah, oh, I'm rich. They're, they're, they're rich. Tax them, but they're not paying their fair share. They're all phonies. And you wonder, you wonder why Trump continues, continues to win at every single turn. All right, folks, I got to take a break. I'm Dan Bongino in for Mark Levin. Give us a call, 877-381-3811. That's 877-381-3811. We'll be back. Mark Levin. Show Dan Bongino with the mark. You want to get us call 877-381-3811. So listen, before the break, I was talking about how the Trump 60 Minutes interview was just epic. It was a, a really a graduate level course in ownership of the libs. If you're going to commit to owning the libs, which everybody should, um, in my humble opinion, because the libs are not interested anymore in any kind of. I'm not talking about the Democrats. I'm talking about the liberal. The radical liberals are interested in just beating you politically. We have to win. We have to win in the midterms. You don't have a choice. They're not interested in any compromise. There's no area they want to compromise with you. And you understand that, right? Please get this. Tell me a sphere we're supposed to argue it out. And I'll tell you how there's no middle ground with the radical left. They don't want your tax money. They want socialism. They want everything. They go, oh, they want tax hikes. No, oh, they want socialism. Socialism, the government ownership of the means of production. They don't want, like, a piece of your health care. They want single payer, which means government run, which means single owner of the health care system, which means government, which means not you. Public education. They don't want public education. They want indoctrination. You Are you missing what's happening on our college campuses? There is no middle ground with these people. None on the far left. None. They don't want immigration control. They want open borders. Just, folks, just go Google this stuff yourself. These people are everywhere They're, they're on the radical left. They, the quotes are everywhere. The Maxine Waters stuff, the Cory Booker stuff, get up in their face, get up in their face. Why, why are we getting up in, American, in our fellow American citizens' faces? Can't we just have a conversation? Why is that necessary? I have never had the desire, and I'm sure knowing Mark's audience, many of you haven't either. To, you know, when you, I travel a lot, I see strangers in the airport. Sometimes they're liberals. And a couple of them have said nasty things to my face. I've never, have you ever in your life had the desire to walk up to a total stranger who had like an Obama hat on and like, I'm going to get up in his face. Why would you do that? You want to talk about. Politics, fine. I, get up in there. What are you talking about? There is no middle ground. We have to win. That's why I keep saying the new rules are in effect, and Trump gets this. They have to lose, and we have to win. We need to exercise raw political power to keep these people on the radical left from taking power because they've shown no evidence they'll handle it responsibly. Don't go anywhere because later in the show, I'm going to talk about new developments on the, the Spygate thing that broke this weekend. Representative John Ratcliffe gave an explosive interview on Maria Bartiromo about exculpatory evidence that's probably hanging out there. But folks, they're not even authentic. 
Bernie Sanders on, on the economic front, Elizabeth Warren with the, with the continued insistence that she's a, a Native American. You know, uh, uh, Beto with this constant, like, I'm a skateboard guy, and look at me, look how cool I am, I skateboard in a Whataburger park, and like, great, good, well, uh, who cares? Why does that matter? He skateboards. Who cares? You're seriously voting for this guy or considering voting for this guy in Texas because he skateboards? You understand this guy's a hard leftist. He wants your money. He wants your guns. He wants your health care. In Texas. I'm actually astonished this guy's anywhere close to even 40% of the vote. He's a hard leftist. But he skateboards. He skateboards. It's so cool. Who cares? Who gives a damn? That he skateboards in the Whataburger parking lot. Whataburger's got good burgers. Go inside and eat the burger. What are you skateboarding in the parking lot for? There's cars there. You may get run over. You don't want that. Go inside. Have some fries. Sheesh. All right, listen, on the other side of this break, I've got some numbers I want to I want to get to because this is bothering me too with all, how all these Democrat candidates in 2020 are entirely inauthentic. I've got some numbers about their so-called fair share economics that are going to blow your mind. The rich got to pay their fair share. Really? Well, let me tease it. The rich are not paying their fair share. They're paying an unfair share. They're paying too much. Taxes stink and everybody should say it. More after the break. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the Nutrition Facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, that's BrickHouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. Levin, a champion of freedom. You know, you're one of the greatest champions of freedom in this country, if not in the English-speaking world, Mark. Call Mark at 877-381-3811. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino at the Bongino on Twitter for comments, criticisms. If you want to call us, 877-381-3811 to join the show. We will, uh, of course, take your calls. If you're liberals as well and you want to duke it out, always happy to do that. Uh, Pick up, uh, folks, if you haven't yet, a book I know the Levin family is very proud of, Our Police by Mark's dad, Jack Levin. That's coming out October 30th. It's available for pre-order now. Beautifully illustrated book. I know uh, Mark's family is very proud of this book. 
It's called Our Police. It's available for pre-order now at Barnes & Noble, Amazon. Go check it out. Coming out October 30th, Our Police by Jack Levin celebrates the role of police in our society. Having been a former cop and federal agent myself, uh, it's an uh, area sensitive to my heart. So go pick it up, Our Police by Jack Levin. Um, so, folks, before the break, I was talking about that. Just the Trump message sells because of an authenticity. That authenticity is not necessarily without battle scars. I'm not suggesting, you know, anybody here is without sin. I'm simply suggesting that one of the messages that resonates with the American people is He's a plain speaking, authentic guy who says what's on his mind. And after 50 plus years of PC politics and focus group tested nonsense, this sells. Now, I bring that up in relationship to the 60 Minutes interview where I I thought he just dismantled Leslie Stahl. I know it because I've got friends of mine who are union workers up in New York. I'm not going to say who, because honest to God, I'm afraid they'll be targeted. But who texted me during the interview like, I can't believe how great this interview is. Contrast that with the frauds on the Democrat side. Elizabeth Warren putting out a press conf- uh, press release today that she's won one five trillionth Native American or whatever it was, one one thousand and twenty fourth or whatever. It's so ridiculous. The guy running against Cruz in Texas, who, who's, whose entire campaign seems to be that he skateboards. He can skateboard and play the guitar as if this is that's great. That's wonderful. What the hell does that have to do with tax policy? Anything at all, please? Bueller, Bueller. Who cares? Then you got these Bernie Sanders, you know, far left radical leftist types. You got this guy, Andrew Gillum, running down here for governor in Florida. These guys, they're socialists. They don't want your money. They want the whole economy. And they try to frame it in this, oh, the rich people, the rich people are getting over. They're not paying their fair share. Really? Because I saw a fascinating piece today. I got a lot to cover today. But I saw a fascinating piece in Bloomberg of all play. I'm not a big... Huge fan of the web. But once in a while, they have good articles on economics. In Bloomberg, of all places, talking about the actual percentages, the rich and the very rich, of our income tax they actually pay. These numbers are going to blow your mind. Here's the first. It's not the, Let me just say this to you. It's not the numbers so much. It's the comparisons. You'll see what I mean in a minute. The top 1% of earners, that's right, earners, people who earn money, top 1% of earners pay an astonishing 37.3% of the income tax load in this country. Think about that. One out of 100 people pays 37 cents of every dollar in taxes in this country. Chew on that one for a minute. You may say, okay, well, you know, one out of 100 people, if it's the top 1%, they're very rich. Folks, the bottom 90%, meaning 90 out of 100 taxpayers, the bottom 90%, few liberals who have a tough time with this kind of stuff, pays only 30.5% of the income tax load. So think about this for a second. This is why I, I this is what I love about Trump. It's not just that he doesn't accept the narrative. The liberals, they don't pay, you know, the rich, you don't pay your fair share. You know, the libs, that's their thing, right? You don't pay your fair share. You don't pay your fair share. It's not that Trump just doesn't accept that. He turns it around and just throws it right out of the gar- right out in the garbage, that narrative. And he starts over with a, yeah, you know what? They pay a lot. They actually pay, I think they pay too much. Let's cut their taxes. Yes. Good job. The top 1% of earners 
pays seven percentage points more of the income tax load than the bottom 90. What the hell's a fair share if that's not it? Do you hear what I'm telling? There's more, but this isn't just it. There's more of these comparisons in this. This isn't a Bloomberg piece. Again, not a, some right-wing website here. I mean, it's not in a negative way, but I'm sure liberals listening will be like, no, you got that from uh, some right-wing slanted website there that was just trying to manipulate the fact. This is from Bloomberg, okay? The top 1% pays 37 cents, of 37% of the income tax load. The bottom 90 only pay 30 why is this so sensitive to me? Because liberals are frauds. They keep talking about this fair share stuff as John Kerry docks his boat in Rhode Island to avoid paying taxes. What we had Al Sharpton in his tax debacle. We have, you know, Bernie Sanders. What did we find out? He pays less than 20% of his income in taxes to lead by example. Lead by example. If, if you believe in what you're saying. See, there's no hypocrisy here for Republicans. We think taxes suck. Because we think outside of our military and our courts, you flush the money down the toilet bowl, you don't know anything about the economy, and you waste it, which you prove us right all the time. We would rather donate it to charity and let the free market and and charities handle it who can actually help people locally. But no, you suck up all our money, you get a big tidy bowl flush, and you flush it down the bowl. And I'm glad we got a president who doesn't accept this premise at all. Fair share. No, no, they don't, they already pay to it. Let's cut their taxes. Let them put their money to work in the economy, grow jobs in the economy. Yeah. Why do you like them apples? How do they taste? I got some more numbers for you. Maybe ask yourself, you know, where does this come from? Well, obviously, I'm talking about the authenticity component with Trump, how he doesn't apologize. But if I can be candid with you folks for a moment, this is the first year of my life that my wife and I really have done well. Um, my show, the book, things just did well. They did thanks to a lot of you, by the way. But things just did well. I mean, no need to go into the details. But talking to my accountant, I was absolutely floored. I really couldn't believe it when we found out how much money we owe the government. I was astonished. I really was. Uh, we'll, be, we'll be fine. I mean, we, you know, we keep money aside to pay for it. We don't, uh, we don't live a, a frugal lifestyle at all. I mean, uh, excuse me, at Spendthrift Lifestyle, the opposite. We actually kind of, we're not cheap or anything, but we just, we work a lot, so we don't get to go out. I'm telling you, I was floored. I thought he had a decimal point wrong. And I play it straight, you know, because I, unlike, you know, a lot of liberals like John Kerry who parked their boats in Rhode Island, play it straight. So whatever my bill is, I don't like the law, I change it. But if the law stinks, you still got to, I got to pay. And I was floored. This is the first time in my life I thought to myself, I'm serious, folks. And my wife's probably going to kill me for talking about this. But it's okay. I mean it because I think this needs to get out there. I grew up at the low end at best of middle class. And I'm being generous because I'm not, I'm, it's not a sob story. The low end of middle class at best. Okay? Like at one point, the bologna for dinner kind of, you know what I'm getting? You ever see what I'm getting at here? Middle class, like, we, believe me, steak was not, it was a hot commodity. My, when it was, it was sirloin. We were not eating ribeyes, okay? McDonald's was like the restaurant to go to. I worked my butt off, whether it was the, the police department, in the cemetery, in the supermarket, in the Secret Service. And you finally get to a point in your life. And for the first time, you make what could be legitimately a life-changing amount of money, Right. 
And you want to do so many things. I'm telling you, we had so many ideas. And some of them we're still, I mean, we're going to be able to do. I don't want to be dramatic about this. But you think to yourself, I got to give it to these guys? These idiots in D.C.? To do what? To do what with it? To, are you serious? To do what? I don't mind. But again, I swear to you on my life, the constitutional role of government, I, I military guys take my money. <laughs> I'm serious. We need courts. I get it. That's why we have a constitution. But you are flushing your money down the toilet bowl to people who have no idea what to do with it. We need, we, we, we need seriously some constitutional controls on their ability to take our money. They are, they are just burning it. It's the first time in my life I thought I could, I could have bought my mother-in-law a house. And instead, I'm giving it to some bow-tie-wearing bureaucrat in D.C. to flush down the toilet bowl. The worst. Unbelievable. And I, I think it's because I grew up at the lower end of middle class and then in the Secret Service middle class and upper middle class later on, I guess. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the categories are. I don't care. I mean, again, I'm not trying to make the story more dramatic than it needs to be. But I guess it's that I genuinely respect the dollar because I know what it's like. And then when you finally can help other people, right, you're like, gosh, I could do so much with this. And you're forced to turn it over. And there's just mega amounts to the government, for me at least, probably not for anyone else who's really rich, which I'm not. But I just, I'm pained by every ounce of it. It just sucks so bad. Build my business, everything. We can hire new people to write for the website. And we can't because I've got to give it to these guys and ladies in D.C. to burn. All right, sorry, I got off track. You can tell I'm kind of hot on this topic. Here's another number about the fair share that liberals don't say we pay. The top 50% of taxpayers, top 50%, pay 97% of all income taxes. 97%. The top 50% of earners pay 97%, 97 cents of every dollar of taxes. 97 not 9.7, 97%. Why does that matter? It matters, folks, because the bottom 50% of taxpayers, tautologically, then pay 3%. If the top 50 pay 97%, the top 50% of earners, then the bottom 50 pay 3% of the tax load. So this Bloomberg piece, they did an interesting analysis. They said, well, let's figure out what percentage of the highest end earners, this will make sense in a second, I promise. What percentage or number of the highest end earners also pay an equivalent 3% of the tax load like the bottom 50% of the earners in the country? Ladies and gentlemen, the evil rich that the left talks about, the Bernie Sanders types, I'm using their terminology to show how this pure stupidity of their comments you're never going to believe this. The top 0.01% of income taxpayers, in other words, just 1,400 people, 1,400, not 14,000, 1, 1,400 for the libs, 1,400, the 1,400 top earners in the United States 
pay the same percentage of the tax load as the bottom 50% of income taxpayers in the country. Tell me again, please, with a straight face, with a straight face, how they're not paying a, quote, fair share. 1,400 people pay the same equivalent percentage of the income tax load as the bottom 50% of earners in the country. And you got Bernie Sanders, a 1%er himself. You're not paying your fair share. Really, Bernie? Do you even know these numbers? That is insane. 1,400 people pay the same percentage of the tax load as the 50%, the bottom 50% of income taxpayers in this country. That's amazing. Now you understand why we got to just break the narratives completely. You're in it for the rich. No, no, no. No, 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 no. I'm in it for the economy. And you have no idea what the numbers are. Fair share. You don't even know what a fair share is. Fair share. We just, we just make us a dopey, stupid talking point. The rich don't pay their fair share. They don't They pay as much as the bottom 50% of the country. Are you crazy? Oh, man, I'm fired up about to say it. All right, if you want to give us a call, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I'm Dan info Mark Levin. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. All right, folks, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino, at the Bongino on Twitter, filling in for Mark. If you'd like to give us a call, 877-381-3811. If you'd like to pick up a copy of my new book out this week, Spygate, The Attempted Sabotage of Donald Trump. It talks about all the stuff your regular listener. Um, whenever I'm here, I cover that a lot. Uh, it breaks down everything. You want to know the motives? You want to know the players? Why they did what they did, go check it out on Amazon. It's available now and in bookstores, Barnes & Noble as well. Spygate by me, Dan Bongino, Denise McAllister, and Matt Palumbo. So go check it out. Appreciate it. Um, all right. Uh, let's take a call here again, 877-381-3811 if you want to join the show. Let's go to John in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. John, what do you got for us, buddy? Hey, Dan. How you doing? Very um, good. Uh, I mean, originally I called to talk about the Elizabeth Warren thing, but we moved on, and that was kind of kind of my point about that. Um, the, uh, okay. You can talk regards, about Elizabeth Warren. I'm sorry? You can talk about Elizabeth Warren if you want. Oh, well, I mean, I was just going to make the point that you're talking about the one guy skateboarding, but then, like, cheering on Donald because because he got Elizabeth Warren to do that. It's like, what did we win? I mean, when I get home, am I going to have the Elizabeth Warren prize in my box? I mean, I think it's kind of a... I mean, I, I just think it's social. Like, I, I just think that the right is going social justice in the opposite direction of the left, and it's personally it's driving me crazy. And I'm really going to hate Trump supporters if they get Elizabeth Warren elected in 2020. Good God, John, I, I disagree though, and I'll tell you why. The left, having run myself, albeit unsuccessfully, almost doesn't count in politics, as you know. But, you know, listen, I gave it the old college try. I had a lot of experience um, in liberal states, Maryland specifically, where I did run. And one of the things I've always not liked but respected about the Democrats is their ability to almost ruthlessly stay on message. Follow me here. Whether it was Obamacare, the Obama tax hikes, the Obama regulatory assault and red tape on our businesses, they are on message no matter what. Obamacare was about, we got to get more coverage, the tax cuts. We got to make people pay their fair share about regulations. We got to protect the environment and fill in the blank. They are almost ruthlessly good at staying on message. Donald Trump has them so frazzled, so frazzled. That just, and, and this is why I, I'm not trying to be a jerk. This is why I know you're wrong. 
that just weeks before a midterm election, a major party representative for their party, Elizabeth Warren, releases an ancestry or whatever, a DNA thing, showing she's one 1,024th Native American. And even Jim Messina, who is an Obama big shot advisor, tweeted out today, what the heck are you doing three weeks before a midterm? So I, I, with all due respect, John, I, I get what you're saying. I could not disagree with you more. I think it was a genius political move. And I'm not, listen, I'm not a golden calf worshiper of any politician. I think it was a genius move to entirely get the Democrat Party to not talk about anything of substance and to focus on what Trump wants to focus on, their fraudulent nature, rather than what they want to focus on. So I got to take a break. I'm, I'm sorry. Thanks for the call. I see your point, but I totally, totally disagree. There is no one. Trump's got a Ph.D. in owning the libs. I'm telling you, he gets under their skin like no one on the planet. All right, I'm Dan Bongino in for Mark Levin. You want to give us a call, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. We'll be right back. If you have a moment, I want you all to go to BrickHouseLevin.com. Just go there and click on the Buy Now button so you can read the reviews. Over 1,200 five-star reviews, I might add. But this one caught my attention from Steve in Denver. I'm upset with Mark because he's got me hooked on Field of Greens. What a great product. Thank you, BrickHouse, for your amazing product and great customer service. I'm a monthly subscriber, and I won't live without it. And you're welcome, Steve. And subscribing is smart. You save money that way. Field of Greens is made with real USDA organic fruits and vegetables and helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Plus, they offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee or your money back. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN. Get 15% off your first order with promo code LEVIN. That's BrickHouseLevin.com or call 833-RING-BHN, promo code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Yes, welcome back. Welcome back. Dan Bongino in for Mark, 877-381-3811 if you'd like to give us a call. Yeah, I, I couldn't have disagreed more with that caller at the end of the last hour. I don't know if you missed it, but uh, he's not here anymore. Today. He, you know, nice guy and all, but um, he was suggesting somehow that talking about uh, Elizabeth Warren, talking about this a- a- ancestry and Native American ancestry, one one thousandth or one five hundredth or whatever it is that she believes she's Native American, how this somehow hurts the Republicans. or I could not disagree with you more. I'm telling you, folks, the Democrats are usually strategically smarter than this. They are really good at advancing their lies, their narratives and their lies. They're experts at it. They are so good at gaslighting. Remember, you know what gaslighting is? Gaslighting is when you tell a lie, you tell it confidently, you tell it over and over, and you isolate people from the truth. And it's you can get people using that technique to believe things that are factually incorrect. I mean, let me give you just a quick example. I haven't addressed this in the show in a long time. But how many times have you heard the the, the talking point, because that's what it is, it's factually incorrect, that 
The Reagan tax cuts, man, they cause massive deficits. Folks, that is factually not correct. There were big deficits in the Reagan years. That is correct. They were not caused by the tax cuts. The Reagan tax cuts, after taxes were cut, tax revenue went up dramatically. It almost doubled by the time Reagan left office. That's a fact. You can look that up yourself. You can Google those tax websites that go over historical tax numbers. You Even adjusted for inflation, they went up dramatically. But it's evidence of the liberals' tactical ability to constantly stay on a message that's typically false, state that false message repeatedly, use the media to isolate people from the truth because the media will parrot the narrative and not tell people the true story, and get people to believe something that's factually incorrect. It is factually incorrect to say that the the Reagan tax cuts caused the deficits. Tax revenue went up. We just spent more money. That is not a factual statement. But you've been told it so often people believe it. You know, this whole thing about how how Clinton, oh, Clinton wiped out the national debt. He zeroed out the national debt and he had no deficit under Clinton. That is just not true. Some people say, oh, there's a there was a Clinton surplus. I I used to bring this up on the show all the time. When I first started filling in for Mark years ago, because it's a, not because it's um, it's a it's a talking point. It's it, it's just it's been so ingrained into the American psyche through liberals' effective messaging that people believe there was actually a Clinton surplus. There wasn't. There was no year in Clinton's presidency where the government took in more money than it spent. None. They got close at the end of his presidency, but there was no surplus ever. They ran annual deficit, put it this way, the simplest way to describe this, because liberals always have a tough time understanding even mechanical basics of this. If there was a surplus in the Clinton years, answer, riddle me this, right? How is it that every single year of the Bill Clinton presidency, every single year, the national debt rose? Please explain to me in normal mathematical terms how that happened if they ran a surplus. It's not only that they didn't pay the debt down, the debt one up every single year of the Clinton presidency. But no, I was told on TV there was a Clinton surplus. Well, you were told wrong. I, I don't know what to tell you. You know, you were probably told when you were a kid various fairy tales too, which that's a family-friendly show, so I'll leave it out. You know what I'm talking about. You believe in those now too as well? You were isolated from the truth. All they need is one uh, ABC Nightly News, NBC Nightly News, CNN story on how the Clinton surplus is a myth. They would go away forever, but they won't do it. They do this now. They're doing it now. And the reason I'm bringing it up is because they are good at staying on message. That's how they get these myths to persist over time. Trump has them scattered all over the place. They cannot stay on message. You got one guy who's Spartacus. You got one guy, I skateboard in the parking lot, DeBetto. You got one guy talking about fart jokes at a, at a, I'm serious, Sheldon Whitehouse. This is the Democrats. I fundamentally disagree with just about all of their policy positions. But I'm telling you, I have always respected their almost meticulous ability to stay on a message, however false that message is. Not in the era of Donald Trump. They cannot do it. They are so overtaken with rage at 
everything this guy represents, the anti-swamp rhetoric, the anti-media rhetoric, when they go out there and they spout off untruths and straight-up lies, they cannot, they simply can't contain the rage. He's got them talking about boofing in Senate hearings. He's got uh, Cory Booker declaring he's uh, sporadicus from the uh, Alicia Silverstone Clueless movie. He's got Elizabeth Warren releasing a press release. I'm one one thousand Native American. Uh, I'm, by the way, I got Fox on in the background. The Cherokee Nation just responded in, in, in a brutal, brutal response to this, basically filleting her statement, Elizabeth Warren. Who, what was she thinking? The answer is they weren't. This is the era of Trump. The gaslighting is not working anymore. The guy's got, what, 40 million followers or something on Twitter? He goes out. He gives speeches all over the country. The media is forced to cover his sound bites. He reframes questions from the media and turns it back on them. He ends. He gets the last word in just about every interchange, even with the 60 minutes thing over the interview, making sure that's the soundbite everybody remembers. And he talks like normal Americans. This is constantly has the liberal media and their liberal focus group folks and their swamp rat Democrats back on their heels because they don't know how to respond anymore. The standard arguments are no longer working. They are collapsing. They are falling on deaf ears. You know, I've said with this fair share stuff that I was talking about before the break, that this argument that Trump is done apologizing for taking money out of the pockets of the government and putting it into the hands of the earners in this country, even if the earners happen to be successful and wealthy. Everybody used to apologize in the past. Oh, no, no, we're not giving tax cuts to the rich. Why? Why are we not doing that? Why? Oh, because it'll look bad. Well, is it good for the economy? Yeah, it's good for the economy. So who cares? Then make the case. Stop being such a wuss. Make the case. Trump does it. I told you the numbers before the break. This one, I can't get this number out of my head. That the 1,400 wealthiest taxpayers in the country pay the same percentage of income tax, 3%, as the bottom 50% of income taxpayers in this whole country. Do you, do you understand the gravity of what I just told you? 14 1,500 taxpayers who are successful and wealthy pay the same percentage of the income tax load as the bottom 50% of income tax earners in this country. Yet delusional liberals who are one percenters themselves, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, John Kerry, John Kerry was a one percent of one percenter will still insist you don't pay your fair share. They have no idea what that even means. It requires you to be a sucker to do no further analysis of that. Folks, turning your money over to the government, you might as well turn it, you might as well burn it. You're flushing it down a toilet. You know, Milton Friedman, I I haven't brought this up in a while either. It's always worth bringing up again. The great Milton Friedman, the late great Milton Friedman, he had this thing about the ways to spend money, which he used to tell people. And once you hear it, you can never unhear it. There's no turning back. This ways to spend money summarizes completely why the government, giving the government money is a total, complete, epic disaster. What are the most efficient, what's the most efficient ways to spend, way to spend money, right? You 
spending your money on yourself or your family. You on yourself. Why? Because the cost of the product you're purchasing matters. It's your money. But the quality of what you're purchasing matters too because what you're buying, you're buying for yourself or your family. You want a good car. You want a good home. You want good clothes. You don't buy crappy stuff or it's going to fall apart. Cost and quality matter when you spend your own money on yourself and your family. What's another way to spend money? Less going down the efficiency scale. You spending money on other people. Friedman would make the argument there that when you spend money on other people, the cost of what you're buying matters because it's your money. But if I'm buying a product for Mr. Producer, does the quality matter? Well, I like Rich, so maybe, but let's be honest. It doesn't matter as much as if you were buying it for your wife or your family. I know Rich is feeling a little insulted right now, but don't take it the wrong way. When you spend money on other people, the quality of what you're buying on doesn't matter so much. It's not yours. Other people... Here's another way to be even less efficient. Other people can spend other people's money on themselves. You go on a work trip. Your, your job is, is, uh, is paying for the hotel. That's other people spending other people's money on themselves. You're spending other people's money on your hotel room. Does quality matter? Yeah, you're damn right. It's your hotel room. You want the best hotel room out there. But does the cost? Hell no. Hell no, it doesn't matter. That's the job's money. It ain't yours. Give me the, 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 the top floor of Trump Tower. I'll take it. Cost doesn't matter. You may say, wow, that sounds like a really inefficient way to spend money. Oh, no, no. It gets worse. It gets even worse. Other people spending other people's money on other people. The most inefficient way to spend. You can never unhear this, folks. Other people spending other people's money on other people. What is that? It's the government. It is the, the, the cesspool of government taking your tax dollars. Think about it. The government's taking your money and spending it on other people. Does the cost matter? Hell no. It ain't their money. They don't care what they're buying. Does the quality matter? If they're not even spending it on themselves, they don't even care. They're just giving people money. Well, we're going to pay for their health care. Yeah, but it's crappy health care. Oh, we don't care. It's taxpayer money. Whatever. Just go down there. Spend it. Just keep spending. That's government. It is the worst possible way to spend money. The government's better off taking your tax dollars and buying themselves Lamborghinis. At least they tr- look for a quality car and boost the economy. Oh, we need, co- we need quality. You're not going to care about the cost. When they take your money and they spend it on other people, the cost or the quality, none of it matters. Nothing. Friedman was a genius, a genius. You now understand why it is an imperative to not fall into this gaslighting trap that we're not paying our fair share. Your fair share is as much as you can keep as possible because every dollar over that amount to fund our military and the constitutional role of government is wasted by people who don't care about the cost or the quality of what they buy. They're essentially flushing your money down a toilet bowl. And that's a fact, Jack. We need the Reagan days back where Reagan made the argument the government is the problem and Trump's doing that right now. If you just force their hand in Congress to get a lid on some of this spending, we'd be A-OK. All right, I got to take a break. I'm going a little long here. I'm Dan Bongino in for Mark Levin, 877-381-3811, we'll be back. Mark Levin. Welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino in for Mark Levin. 
877-381-3811. If you want to give us a call, 877-381-3811. All right, I took a liberal, well, I don't know if he was a liberal caller, but it sounded liberal in the last hour, so I want to get to some calls now. Again, 877-381-3811. Who's good up there? Let me see. Not a bad call. With that. <laughs> you read my mind. Mr. Call Screener read my mind. I swear I was going there. Kathy from New York City, New York. How are you tonight? You're on with Dan Bongino. Great. I want to say, sir, that the rich in this country should pay 100% of the taxes because <laughs> the rich have 100% of the representation. And the American colonists fought the Revolutionary War to end taxation without representation, which is what we have right now in 2018. Okay. Uh, taxation um, with no representation. You do. So, Kathy, are you wealthy? Hold on, Kathy. Only the rich have Kathy. any representation in this government. Okay. Uh, Kathy, how, are, are you rich? Hell no. You're not. So you don't have a congressional representative. Kathy, let me ask you a question. What what's what congressional district do you reside in? My congressional what number? representative. What's um, the district? Who she cares about. Is what's the, the what's the number? Prada. What district do you reside in? I do believe it's Charles Koch. OK. <laughs> Kathy, you don't even let me get this straight. You want the rich to pay 100% of the taxes. You're making the claim that you have no representation. You simultaneously do not even know the number of the congressional district you live in, and you're expecting us to take yes, you seriously. Sir. Is that where we are with this? I know my district. Okay, I tell know you what, I'll everything. give you a second. Kathy, well, I rarely do this on the air because I'm up against a break here, but I'll give you a second to Google it. Tell us who your representative is and what the district is. Go ahead. Do your thing. Maybe we'll play the Jeopardy sound. You don't know, do you? You have no idea. Are you kidding me? You think I don't know who doesn't represent me in Washington? Who is it? Exactly who doesn't represent me in Washington. Kathy, who is your representative? Simple question. What's the congressional district number you live in? You're pathetic. I love Rich. Rich, you are the greatest producer Ever. Kathy, we got the Jeopardy sounder in the background. Have you figured out yet who your congressional representative is? Go. Come on. Liberals are hoping. They're praying you come through in the clutch. You're making a strong argument here that the rich should pay 100% of the taxes. We're asking a basic question. Oh, who, you think I don't know, sir? Who, you think no, I'm I don't just know. asking. Who is it? Exactly. Just make up a name. Here, I'll make a... For the liberals out there, Kathy's congressman is Joey Bag of Donuts. Representative Bag of Donuts. Kat, is that it? Is it Bag and of Donuts? That is the truth. The rich is the only people they represent. <laughs> Kathy, is this a prank call? Are you for real? Seriously, are you a conservative quietly calling conservative shows to act like a liberal who has lost you know it to make people go out and vote for conservatives? Is this a, I'm, I'm serious. Is this, like a, is this a crank call? When billionaires are paying nothing in taxes, oh, this is you classic. think we should Rich, be paying this is anything? the greatest phone call ever. This is the. Can you please send me the tape of this? This may be the. I have to put this. This is the greatest phone call in the history. Okay, Kathy, because I got 20 seconds. One more shot. Come through for the libs all across the country. Who's your congressional representative of what district? Come on, here you go. Let's hear it. Revolutionary War 2.0. Oh, my gosh. This is. (laughs) 
Mr. Call Screener, greatest call in the history of Substitutos. We'll be back in a minute. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. Mark Levin, the modern voice of the founding fathers. This is the Mark Levin Show. Dial in now at 877-381-3811. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino, at <laughs> D. Bongino. On Twitter, if you want to give us a call, 877-381-3811, filling in for Mark. By the way, don't forget to pick up a copy of uh, Jack Levin's book. I know Mark and his family are very proud of it. Our Police, beautifully illustrated book. Him, I know Mark and his family are very proud of this book. Our Police, available for pre-order now. It's going to be released October 30th on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and elsewhere online. Check it out. Our Police by Jack Levin. Don't forget to pick up a copy. Uh, go there now. Make sure. Check it out. I'm, still, I'm sorry. I'm still trying to get over that call. It was, <laughs> I said to Mr. Call Screener, I'm like, dude, that's the great, I even had a friend of mine, this guy Rich, email me during the break, another Rich. He's like, that may be the greatest call ever in the history of talk radio. I, 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 I may be a slightly hyperbolic, of course, but that was just terrific. I think Barbara, what was that? His name was, Bar- was it Barbara? Who was it? I don't even remember. Was it Screaming? Kathy, Kathy, yes. Scream it. Thank you, Mr. Call Screener. Scream it into the phone. The rich should pay 100% of the taxes. 100%. I am not represented in Congress. I guess not because she has no idea where a congressional representative is. None. They couldn't tell me the district, anything. None. It's just amazing the stuff people get away with sometimes. I, you know, I'm probably giving away some of my tricks, but what the heck? I'll do it anyway. I don't fill in as much on the radio anymore. Um, but when I I do, I used to um, I used to fill in at some other stations. Uh, some of you are listening to WMAL now. I used to go in down there, but I don't live up there anymore. And um, whenever liberals would call in to scream at me, one of the questions I would ask them sometimes, I'd say, hey, who, who's your, your congressional representative? <laughs> Folks, I'm telling you right now, I can't recall one of them who had any idea. None. I'd say, well, who's your state rep? Who's your state delegate? Who's your state uh, representative? Who's your state senator? Because up there in that Washington, D.C. area, you deal with Maryland, Virginia, and D.C. So you're dealing with sometimes West Virginia, depending on how far the signal goes. So it depends. They'd have no idea. None. 
They just have to emote. They have to emote. I want the rich to pay every dollar of their money in taxes. They have, they have, I don't know what it is. They have this complete, utter animosity towards people who've been successful as life, in their life, as if it's a zero sum, you know, like they took it from them. They made their money by taking it from me. How? How did they take it from you? If Let me ask you this simple question. If Bill Gates, right, who is a liberal himself, is worth a billion dollars or more, I have no idea what his net worth is now, none. If he's, How did he take it from you? If you had the billion dollars, you would have been rich too. How did he take that from you? No, no, he, he, took, it for, he took a dollar from each of us. How did he do that? Was there a Bill Gates tax he implemented? They can never explain how exactly those evil rich took their money. They can't explain it ever. How, how did they take your money? How did Steve Jobs, who's since passed, how did he take your money? Well, I, I bought an iPhone. Well, what did he make you do it? Why did you buy an iPhone? Just don't buy an iPhone then. What do you want me to do? I have an iPhone. I like it. I don't, it's fine. It's my fourth or fifth one. No one forced me to buy it. You could buy a Galaxy or well, there's a thousand different phones out there. Android stuff, whatever it is. I'm not a big smartphone guy, but you get the point. How did they take it from you? Why are you so angry at people who have been successful? And why is your life so devoid of any meaning at all? Are you such a soulless creature that you have nothing to live for, that your entire life, you, what inspires you is reclaiming money you think was taken from you that wasn't by people who've been successful? You have nothing else? Not, I mean, seriously. Do you, is, there, is there like a faith there? Is there meaning? Is there any? Do you have friends? Is this what you care about? You know, I live in a nice community. It's not overwhelming, but it's, it's an upper middle class community. I've never once driven by like my, one of my neighbors got a really sweet uh, Mustang Cobra that I love. I've never driven by and go, gosh, I really got to get that guy's car. He, I deserve his car. I don't even know what the dude does. I have no idea. I make a left at my corner, a right, and another left. The dude is up there up on, on the main street, on the main drag. He's got this nice, it's, it's a, um, it's a black, uh, Cobra. It's beautiful. But I've never once, I don't even know what he does. I have no idea. You know why? I don't care. I got to go out and like live my life. When I drive past him, I'm thinking about picking up my kids for my daughter from rowing. I'm thinking about like knocking out a workout in the gym, spending a date night with my lovely wife who I don't get to spend enough time with at all. And I wish I could spend more with. I so look forward to it. I'm serious. I really mean that. I love her to death. She's the best. I'm not thinking about your stuff, dude. I don't care. What liberals, why are you so obsessed with other people's success? Why does it bother you so much? Why is it so off-putting that you need to lay claim to other people's stuff constantly? <laughs> it's a serious question. Why are you entitled to other people's stuff? Why? How much of it? And why? Did, did, what, Thomas Sowell, who I, I, I know, probably know, economist slash philosopher, he's both. I admire more currently alive today than Thomas Sowell. Wasn't it him who said at one point, I, I can't remember, between Conflict of Visions and Vision of the Anointed and all his wonderful books, I, I read his... When a, a PhD report he did on Say's Law, was I love Thomas Sowell. He put this thing together. Well, how much of my stuff basically are you entitled to and why? Or, I, why? I don't get it. 
Like, why do we owe you anything anymore? Why? Why do, what do we owe you? Kathy's call could not have been more illuminating. Really, I am thankful she called. I usually don't take uh, two. Well, the first caller wasn't so much liberal. He was kind of a moderate guy. But Kathy, that was one of the greatest calls ever. Because that really sums up liberalism in a nutshell. They have no idea what the numbers are. They don't understand the facts. They don't understand the economic data about tax policy. They don't even know what marginal tax rates are. They have no idea. They're convinced other people have taken their stuff. But when you ask them how exactly they took their stuff, they can't tell you. How exactly did rich people take your stuff? Well, they took it. Well, how? What stuff did they take? They took my money. What, really? What, where? Where was? Because if they're worth a billion dollars, how did they get that money from you? Uh, I don't know. I just sounded good. Bernie Sanders told me it was true. They're hypocrites. They're total frauds. I remember running for office in Maryland. I can't tell this story enough. I used to go to this, uh, the, the Maryland, the Montgomery County Fair, and I'd sit Montgomery County, a very, very liberal county in Maryland. I would sit there at the fair in front of the GOP booth and shake hands with people. And one day, this staffer for Chris Van Hollen, who used to be a representative, now he's a senator from Maryland, he stops and he's, you know, he knows who I am, so he's giving me kind of this smart, you know, smart guy attitude. And he starts getting into me about tax policy. He has no idea what he's talking about. He doesn't have any grasp of the numbers at all. He's completely clueless. So I got tired of listening to him. So I said to him, listen, I have a really simple question for you. Since you believe government is this net good, right, and we should all transfer our wealth to a bunch of bow-tie-wearing bureaucrats in D.C. who don't give a crap about your money or anything else for that matter, please explain to me, since you think this is a net good for society, and you should ask this of all your liberal friends, how much money are you donating in voluntarily higher tax payments to the government? Go! How much? The answer, I can almost assure you with near certainty, is zero. Matter of fact, not only are they not turning over extra money, they are hiring accountants to avoid paying the money they owe themselves to the government. Conservatives, this is not a problem. We are not hypocrites. We know the government is full of waste. We know the government can't spend money with any degree of efficiency. So we do everything in our power to legally avoid giving the government any more money than we need to. Liberals make the exact opposite argument. No, the government is such a force for good. The rich people should give more of their money. Why? Why? Please explain to me how we have been paying into these anti-poverty programs since the Great Society in 65 and 66. And the percentage of people not working in households with an eligible member to work has gone up, not down. We have not moved the poverty rate in any significant way at all. It was actually going down before the Great Society and government intervention. Phil Graham had a great piece in the Wall Street Journal about this last week. It is now almost completely stabilized. We are transferring on average something like $30,000 in equivalent transfer payments over to people in lower income categories. And the number of people working that have eligible family members, the number of percentage of people uh, working has gone down in some of these households. The percentage of households with someone eligible to work that don't have anyone working has gone up dramatically. Please explain to me how this is evidence of government compassion, effectiveness, and efficiency. Please, with a straight face, try not to laugh. 
while you simultaneously hire accountants like John Kerry and Hillary Clinton. Remember her real estate thing where they hired accountants to avoid paying extra taxes to the government? Why did you do that? Why? If the government is a source for net good things in society, turn your money over to them. Don't be a phony. But you can't. If you're a liberal listening to this show, doesn't that anger you that you're such a fake? No, I'm serious that you're a fraud. When you look in the mirror, aren't you like, wow, I'm a real phony? I love the government, yet I do everything in my power to pay accountants to avoid giving the government money. Doesn't that make you a fake? How do you live like that? No, I'm serious. I don't have that issue. I look in the mirror and go, yeah, the government really sucks. Tax, I don't want to give them any more of my tax money. I'm telling you, outside of our military courts and the constitutional role of government, where there's mass consensus, they spend, they waste money like no tomorrow. Government, it stinks. It's a disaster. I have no issue with that. I look in the mirror and go, yep, I do everything legally I can to pay as few tax dollars as possible. But not you, frauds. You don't pay extra at all. You want me to pay more. You don't do anything. You may say, well, Dan, a couple of people do voluntarily pay extra. I read a report, and if the numbers are wrong, tweet me. I'm happy to hear it. But I read a report a few years ago that the record amount of money the government had brought in up until that time in voluntary tax payments, voluntary, meaning people just donate extra money to the government, you're never going to believe this number. $12 million. Million. Not billion. Certainly not trillion. $12 million. We have 330 million people in this country. Are you telling me if, say, let's be generous. I'll play down the number for the sake of making it easy on the liberals. Say there are 30 million liberals. There's probably more than that. Probably closer to 40 or 50 who would classify themselves as liberals. Say there's 25 million. If each of those liberals just donated a dollar to the government, the government they worship, that they genuflect in front of, that they they, they almost consider an act of religion and faith, if you just donated a dollar, they would double the amount that's voluntarily paid to the government to paltry $12 million. That's it. So libs, step up. Stop being such frauds. Stop being such inauthentic fakes and frauds. Wake up tomorrow morning, call your accountant, and do the right thing. Air quotes, right thing. Because it's the wrong thing, but you say it's the right thing. Write a big, fat, juicy check to the G. Go, do it. Call your accountant. Come on. 5,000, 10,000, the government's a force for good, man. He took good things. They took good things. We'd love to cheat. Go ahead. Knock yourselves out. Set an example for the conservatives out there you think are Neanderthals. Look at us libs. We donated an astonishing $100 billion in voluntary tax payments. Nice job, liberals. Don't move, but nice job. At least you guys have a spine. At least you stood for something, you big frauds. Phonies. Phonies. Fakes. Look yourself in the mirror and say it. I'm a big fake because you are. I don't want to pay extra until everybody else does. Why? Why? I give to charity. I don't need someone else to do it. I give that. We, we, my wife and I give to charity. 
We sell T-shirts on our website. We donate the money. Why? I don't need anyone else to do it. I don't look for other T-shirt makers because we think we're helping someone out. I don't need you to do it. You say the government's helping people out, do you not? Why do you need someone else to do it? Just go give it. Step up. It's like Spike Lee said, do the right thing, libs. Step up. You won't. A bunch of fakes. All right, folks. I'm Dan Bongino in for Mark Levin. You want to give us a call? 877-381-3811. We'll be right Mark Levin. All right, folks, welcome back. Dan Bongino in for Mark Levin. You want to give us a call, 877-381-3811. Thanks for all the feedback on the show. Really appreciate it. I just, I'm on a, I just, I can't take it with the taxes tonight. I can't. We got an election coming up, and I'm just so furious at liberal inauthenticity. These just fake liberals out there with all this garbage, whether it's Elizabeth Warren and her Native American DNA test or Beto and his skateboards or Bernie and his rich rich on the war. I just can't take it. They are such frauds. They are such phonies. They never know anything about any. All they do is spout talking points. So I took a liberal caller in the last hour. Kathy was pretty epic. She, um, I don't know. She was like calling for a revolution or something. <laughs> I don't know what the hell she was saying. But uh, David disagrees. Uh, he thinks that rich people are, what is it, stealing all the jobs. So, uh, David, in Freehold, New Jersey, what do you got for us, buddy? You disagree with me? Dan, I disagree with you wholeheartedly on, on a few points. Okay. Now, first, I'm going to tell you, you got companies. First of all, the reason why the top 10% is paying 90%, whatever it is, of the taxes, because you got companies like Amazon that are monopolizing and pilfering away all the jobs from ordinary American citizens, paying them substandard wages where they even have to go on government assistance. And finally, they decide, okay, we're well, in response to the outrage, which even Tucker Carlson agreed with Bernie Sanders on this issue, and he said, okay, we'll pay $15 an hour. All right, hold on, David, stop. Let's address, because I'm short on time, let's address this one point at a time. So what you're saying here is Amazon doesn't pay their employees enough. So what is your suggestion as to what Amazon should pay their employees? Go. Well, it's not just a give me a number. That they, that, well, no, no, just give me a no number. number any just what do you think? A number they should get paid. Wait, yeah, yeah. What do you think? To the value that they bring to Amazon. That's okay. So when Amazon, so you're saying now, just to be clear, that in a 3.7 percent unemployment hot work environment that Amazon was not paying employees what they're worth, that they were worth more elsewhere. So let me ask you a simple question. Why did those employees not go elsewhere if they were worth more elsewhere? Go. Because Amazon stole all the jobs. Every company wait, wait, wait. Hold on, hold on. Up every company. Hold on. They monopolized. They took every industry so, over. I, mean, I, can't, I don't even know what to say to that. Thanks, David. For the, I don't even know what to say. I, I, I don't know what to say, folks. I'm sorry. We could have went on all day. You read my mind, Rich. All right, folks. Oh, I'm Dan Bongino, Infomark Levin. Stay tuned for the next hour. I've got some serious updates, too, on the Spygate thing. I don't want to let pass. All right, see you in a few. Don't go anywhere. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from 
from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. All right, welcome back. Dan Bongino, Info Mark Levin. You want to give us a call, 877-381-3811. I promise if you were holding, I will try to get some more of your calls. Bring some sanity back to this after that. <laughs> People are still posting on my Facebook how much they love Kathy. Kathy, you're like a celebrity who called in before for all the wrong reasons, but still, you're like famous. That may have been the greatest call in the history of substitute hosts on talk radio. So, you know, I neglected to mention this. I started the show talking about the why Trump appeals to working class voters, some maybe union workers in the past who maybe didn't align with the Republican brand, thought they were too out of touch for them. I don't know. I mean, I can't get in a lot of their heads. But Trump seems to have cracked the code. And the the code there is a an authenticity for, again, battle scars and all. That the Democrats cannot seem to replicate. But I neglect I talked about Elizabeth Warren and the, uh, you know, uh, her being a, a fake uh, Native American about, the, you know, Beto O'Rourke in Texas. It was like the, the biggest scam I've ever seen in my life. Beto, he's, oh man, he skateboards. He's so cool. He's such an outsize outside. What are you talking about? This guy grew up in a connected family, did his thing, and more power to him, whatever. But stop pretending you're some kind of like renegade here. Give me a break. But I forgot one. A classic this weekend. This uh, Senate candidate in uh, Arizona, Kirsten Cinema. Oh, my gosh. Another one. Look, I'm one of you all. I'm running as like uh, the next generation. You know, we're in here. We're outsiders. We're going to shake it up. Well, all of these videotapes keep surfacing of this Democrat Senate candidate in Arizona who can't stand people who live in Arizona. Ah. Uh, uh, hold that time out. Red flag. Let's review the play here. There's a red flag on the field. Let me speak. The videos are amazing. You have this Democrat running as I'm one of you all. I am one of you in Arizona. Love you, Arizona. Love you. It's like, what's the guy's name in Titanic? Jack at the end. I love you, Jack. I love you. Arizona, you're great. Meanwhile, these videos surface of her at Netroots and all these far left uh, wacko conferences talking about Arizona as like the meth lab of democracy. Arizonans are crazy. Listen, I I ran in Maryland, okay? Maryland's a liberal state, but I got to tell you, I had a lot of liberal neighbors. My neighbors were great. They were great. They were really, I mean it. I am not like trying to virtue signal anyone. They liked me. I liked them. They didn't care about my politics. I, I'll be honest with you. I doubt they voted for me when I ran. I ran statewide. But they were super nice. I did not hate Marylanders. I, I, I didn't. I liked Marylanders. I just, you know, couldn't stand the taxes in the state anymore. And I needed to be, you know, you know, closer for family reasons down here in Florida. But don't you think, just humbly asking this question, that it's probably a good idea if you're going to run for the United States Senate in the state of Arizona, that you actually like people in Arizona or take that back. Maybe you don't even have to like them. Just don't dislike them. I'm just asking hashtag asking for a friend. Not only that, you got to see the videos. 
she says at one point something like, you know how the founders talked about labs of democracy? Well, Arizona is like the meth lab of democracy. Wait, what? You're running for Senate in Arizona? Talks about how crazy the state is. We find out this weekend, and I'll give you both sides of this because I don't have any interest in doing what liberals do to us. But we find out this weekend, I saw an article up at um, Legal Insurrection, which is William Jacobson's excellent uh, blog. He had a piece up there about how apparently Kirsten Cinema, who is not Hispanic or Latino, is not, was apparently listed by the National Association of uh, Legislatively Elected Officials, or no, Latino Elected Officials, N-A-L-E-O, Latino, excuse me, Latino Elected Officials. She was registered as a Latino elected official in their book. Now, the cinema campaign said, oh, we didn't do that. They did that. But this organization saying, well, not really. That's not the way this works. We check with them first. What is with their? She's not. Folks, let me be clear. This. She is not Hispanic. So we have an Indian that's not an Indian, a Hispanic that's not a Hispanic, and a skateboard guy that's pretending to be a moderate that's really a radical liberal and is not a moderate at all in Texas. It is ridiculous. Then we... <laughs> Listen, it's important we win in these midterms. It is. We, we cannot lose to these radical police state liberals. We can't. And before I'll get to the Spygate stuff, but this is important. We have races all over the country with frauds running on the Democrat side. You got this guy in Tennessee. I'm Phil Bredesen. I'm a moderate Democrat. He was no moderate. You have these videos that surface the people on his campaign. They're like, yeah, the Tennessee voters really aren't that bright. We're just lying to them about the Kavanaugh thing. This guy's no mo- These people are not moderate. Matter of fact, on the tape, one of Bredesen's people. Look at that. Jacobson's on. That's, that's pretty funny. <laughs> He's on Fox right now. This is hysterical. Bredesen at one point on the tape that one of the campaign employees is, oh, don't worry. He'll go to D.C. and be a good Democrat. That's code word for he'll be a radical far leftist. These people are not moderate. You had the, the mobs versus jobs choice is very real. Don't believe the hype. Listen, when you're running in New York and Massachusetts and other states, liberal states, the liberals generally show their true colors and the liberals vote them in. Now, Maryland has two, you know, radical far left Democrat senators, Chris Van Hollen and Ben Cardin. And personally, I ran against Ben Cardin. You're a nice guy to me, but he's a radical leftist. And they run like that, and they win like that, because it's a radical leftist state. But what I find so disturbing is these people who run in, in, in red states or swing states, and they run like moderates, and they have absolutely no intention of governing that way at all. Bill Nelson here in Florida. Are you kidding me? This guy's been in office since, like, the Munsters was a top 10 show on TV. It's I heck I ran against Card. Cardin's had it. Cardin's been in office since he's in his twenties. I don't know how old he is, but it's a long time. Nelson's been in office forever, forever. No one even knows he's the senator. I'm listen. I'm not even kidding. I got a friend of mine who's really into politics. He always has trouble with who's the other senator from Florida, and he's like really into it. They know Rubio, and like who's the other the other guy? Um. Oh, yeah, it's it's right there. It's right there. Oh, yeah, Nelson, that's right. These people are radical leftists. Cinema, Bredesen, Nelson. Everywhere. You got this um race in Michigan now that's turned into a race. This guy, John James. I love this cat. This guy's awesome. You seen this guy? He's out there, military veteran. His videos are killer. 
They're terrific. He's running against Debbie Stabenow, radical leftist. That represent Michigan values. Been in office forever. What Michigan? What are you thinking? You got a chance to elect someone who, who's actually like done, this guy's done it. He's been there. You got so many good candidates. Even in New Jersey, you got the what's his name? Hugan Huggin. I always say it wrong. Who's running against Menendez? Menendez. Bob Menendez. I don't even want to get into because it's a family friendly show. Some of the allegations against Menendez. I'm not even kidding. Because it's a family-friendly show. You'd have to turn it off, even talking what Mendez was alleged to have done. They may win that race. Folks, there is no authenticity whatsoever on the left. Listen, we're not perfect on the right. I am certainly not suggesting to you, if you know me and you've heard me here before, I am no defender of the establishment Republican class. That is not my default position. But your choice right now is clear. It is one side that has at least a semblance of sanity left and another side who has embraced the mob, embraced police state spying, has embraced socialism, MS-13, the North Koreans. This stuff has actually happened. People getting $1,000 raises. You got Nancy Pelosi. It's crumbs, crumbs, crumbs. Yeah, it is. You know what? Nancy's right. To her, it is crumbs. When you're worth a couple trillion dollars like Nancy is, it is crumbs. But when you work for a living, $1,000, I assure you, is a whole lot of money. I got a $1,000 uh, bonus once in the Secret Service for this thing I did when I worked there. And it was like the greatest thing ever. Christmas time, yeah. Crumbs to the Democrats. Folks, please get out and vote in these midterms. I know I get. I told you I get this spiky, so I, just, I get a little distracted because I see voter intensity, the gap closing, and I want to be sure you don't let up for a minute. Whether you are a supporter of Trump, a lukewarm supporter of Trump, you were never Trump. Your choice is absolutely crystal clear. The mob versus some degree of sanity on the other side. And in some cases, we have some really excellent candidates running. Really, really good candidates out there. You got. You still got Cruz in Texas. And by the way, with Cruz in Texas, one more point on this, and we'll take a break. It's not good enough to win. With the Cruz race in Texas, you have to win overwhelmingly. Win overwhelmingly and send a statement that Texas is not going to tolerate that. Gun grabbers and pseudo-socialists and big government Beto. Big government Beto. Hey, Ted, use that one if you listen. <laughs> Big government beta. No, we're not taking it, Texas. I don't live in Texas, but I, you know, I work out there once in a while. I love Texas. Don't fall prey to the Beto trap. Nobody cares that he skateboards, okay? Who cares? I care about your wallet and your health care and your kids' education. Not Beto uh, skateboarding in the Whataburger parking lot. Who cares? Go eat a burger. You'd look a lot cooler than the, the skateboarding routine. Give us all a break. All right, folks, I'm Dan Bongino, at the Bongino on Twitter. We'll be right back. Mark Lovin. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino, InfoMark, 877-381-3811. If you want to give us a call, sorry, it's a little bit distracted. Every time I mention, every single time, bar none, that I bring up the mythical Clinton surplus. Somebody um, posts on whatever, Facebook or Twitter. They go, no, no, this, they said it's real. It happened. I'm like, oh, my 
gosh, I can't take it. Just ask your friends a simple question, please. I can't say this enough about this mythical Clinton surplus. How did the national debt go up every single year of the president, uh, President Clinton's term? Every year, if there was a surplus, it didn't. The answer is they took the Social Security money and put it in the general fund. That's what they did. They, and they, even then, they spend more than they came in on that front on the payroll tax side. That's why the national debt went up every year. There's no surplus. It's a myth. Gosh, please stop getting suckered by that. Man, I, I, I listen, when, I, when you lose, you lose. But I got to concede a point, I will. I just, it infuriates me that people still believe this. All right, so getting back to I was talking before the break about how many bad, awful candidates are running across the country. And there are. There are so many terrible candidates on the Democrat side. And I can't believe people are getting snookered by this routine the Democrats are playing. In these Senate races, in these congressional races, in these gubernatorial races, it's incredible. I mean, you got Scott Walker, who's rebounded the Wisconsin economy significantly by getting some control on spending and out of control rules that were basically bankrupting the state. He shouldn't even be in a close race right now. It's not even close. But of course, it is close because Democrats are really good at gaslighting and pretending to be moderates when they're not. All right. Let me take a call. Um, Let's take uh, being that I mentioned the name Barbara. Let's take Barbara in White Plains, New York. Barbara, you're on with Dan Bongino. What do you got for us? Hey, Dan, how are you? Thank you so much for filling in for Mark. Oh, I and love Mark I, to death. I, I he's know the he's best. Still. But it's hard to fill in for Mark, right? They call him the great one for a reason. I Rich know. hates this joke because I say it every time. It's not even funny anymore. But it's true. How do you fill in for a guy they call the great one? You, your only hope is to be the good one, right? So. Yeah, that's true. I was wondering when I was listening earlier whether or not you were auditioning for a remake of The Exorcist. Oh, what? With my voices <laughs> with or something? Kathy. Oh, and my gosh. I know. It was like, what was the priest's name in The Exorcist? Father Marin? Father yeah. Marin. I, she was like Reagan. I don't know what uh, what she was thinking. That I mean, at what point she was like screaming for like a, a Koch Brothers revolution or something. I was like, what is that is the greatest call I've ever taken on the air, though. You know, when it comes to these these elections, we really do need to get out the vote. I mean, you know, I live in a red, a blue, blue state. Yeah. And so, yeah. Uh, uh, Mr. Cuomo will not even consider debating. He's running against Molinaro, right? Yes. Now, He's, now, now, oh, Barbara, no. I know this doesn't apply to you, but to other people listening, because I know you'll vote. I get that. But I'm glad yeah. you brought this up because I lived in a blue state my whole my whole life. I lived in blue states. I lived in I'm a native New Yorker. I moved to Maryland where I lived for over a decade with my wife. And I used to tell people all the time in races I ran in and otherwise that it's important you show up no matter what, because there are down ballot races in your area that may, in fact, be competitive and at a minimum, at least send a statement. I mean, if, if Molinaro gets 40 plus percent, you know, that sends a nice message to Cuomo that maybe his far left liberal stuff isn't as popular as he thinks it is. So you do have to get out. Yeah. And, and I mean, I have to confess, I do overpay my state taxes because my payroll department screwed up one year and I got caught with my pants down. Well, New York state taxes went up. So I said, OK, I'm no liberal does that. I can assure you. It's, yeah, no it's liberal. Not does. By, you know, it's by no choice. Yeah. But well, you're in the I, state I mean, of New York. Which taxes what's are people what's going on here in New York is ridiculous. You have to wait two years to get a carry permit in New York state now. 
Well, that's why people are coming down here to Florida. You know, in Florida, it's a relatively simple process. You're in and out. I I can't recommend the state enough. Um, listen, I can't tell anybody where to move or do it, but I'm telling you, since I've come down here, I have never been happier. There's no state income tax down here. The state, even the government runs itself it's surprisingly efficiently. Just one quick story, and I'll let you roll, Barbara. When I moved down to Florida, I was so used to living in New York and Maryland that I, I go in. I live in Martin County, Florida. And I go in to get my driver's license. And I said to my wife, I'm like, listen, Paula, um, you know, I'm going to be gone for most of the day. So just hang out. I'll help you move and open the boxes when we get back. And then you can go after me. She's like, all right, like, see you later. You know, pack a lunch or whatever. I kid you not. I roll back in the house probably 45 minutes later. She's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I got my driver's license. It was done like that in a snap. Because in Florida, you know, people, the government's run pretty efficiently down here. And almost everybody, at least in my county, is elected. So you don't do the right thing. They boot you right out of office. So, um, Barbara, thanks for the call. Unfortunately, I'm up against a hard break, so I got to roll. But thank you very much for the call. And, folks, uh, you know, there's there's another side of this. If the the states are laboratories of democracies like the founders intended, then democracy isn't working for your wallet. You know, try somewhere else. My only request is... If what's not working for you in New York, far left policies, please don't go to a red state and then vote some of those same crap policies into office in those states either. Seriously, we don't we just don't need it. Move wherever you want. It's a free country. I can't tell you where to go or not go. I'm just saying you may want to seriously reevaluate why you left in the first place and not transplant some of those same far left economics, nonsensical values down to the state you're moving to that you tried to escape from. The one thing about New York economically is everybody's like Snake Plissken, right? Remember Snake Plissken? They're all trying to escape from New York. They can't stand the taxes. I'm Dan Bongino. I'll be right back. The liberals and the Republicans don't like him, but America does. You can call Mark Levin at 877-381-3811. All right, welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Dan Bongino in for Mark. You want to give us a call, 877-381-3811. You want to tweet me, at Bongino, comments, criticisms, whatever. I take them all. Take them all. So I said I get to this Spygate stuff, and it's important I do it. I, after all, I did write a book on it, I mean, literally. And uh, it was one of the great projects of my life. I really enjoyed it. But there's been a break in the case. A real break in the case over the weekend. I shouldn't say a break, a revelation. The break in the case happened a long time ago, actually. But the revelation over the weekend by Congressman John Ratcliffe, who's been doing a tremendous job um, exposing, along with Devin Nunes, Mark Meadows, Jim Jordan, and various others, have been doing a great job of exposing the uh, disgusting government corruption in our intelligence community, our Department of Justice, and at the upper-level management of the FBI in this scandal to get Donald Trump. Now, folks, uh, here's what happened this weekend. Let me put it in context for you for a moment. For those of you who, I don't know, seemingly missed this story somehow, I don't know if you've been on Mars or whatever for the past, maybe you're in space travel. It's like that Bruce Willis movie or what was that, with Ben Affleck where they're drilling into the asteroid. You've been gone for a little while. The Donald Trump team was spied on by the United States government. There were FISA warrants issued to spy on the Trump team. You may have missed some of that, but that is what happened. And the FBI has given conflicting accounts repeatedly of how exactly this investigation started. That's it in a nutshell. It's a very wonky case. My book has extensive footnotes on it, even by I use liberal footnotes to that way. The liberals can't refute what they said in the past on it. But the case is very simple in its essence. 
a opposition political party from Donald Trump, Barack Obama and his White House, weaponized the intelligence community and the, in some cases the law enforcement community, in case of the FBI at the upper levels of their management chain, to go after the Trump team. That's it. Now, why am I bringing that up now? Not to give you the go. Well, it's great. What else is there left to talk about? I'm, I'm bringing this up so the break this weekend makes sense. Radcliffe unleashed a, just a torrent of information on Maria Bartiromo's show on Fox News and that it airs on, uh, on the weekends. And he said that there's some potentially exculpatory material hanging out there about George Papadopoulos. Why does this matter, folks? And what the heck is going on? Remember, the FBI's reasons for starting this investigation, the most critical counterintelligence investigation possibly in modern U.S. history, against a soon-to-be president, Donald Trump, at the time a presidential candidate, the explanation as to why they did it has changed so many times that they cannot seem to wrap their arms around why they did it themselves. It started as, oh, it was all about Carter Page, that it was all about George Papadopoulos. Then, as I explained in uh, my own show, it was all about Alpha Bank. That's in my book. That lays it out. Alpha Bank. Oh, you haven't even heard that story yet, I'm sure you. I promise you. Folks, the reason the story keeps changing is because they were constantly looking for new reasons to spy on the Trump team because the old reasons kept falling apart. This is what's going on. They tried the Alpha Bank angle. Oh, that didn't work. Let's try Carter Page. Oh, there's no evidence he's a spy either. Let's try George Papadopoulos. Oh, man, nothing's working out there. Oh, shucks. What do we do now? That's the reason the story keeps changing. Now, here's the problem. Here's the problem they're having. The last story they settled on. That was advanced by the New York Times back in December of last year. And that they've stuck to since. You'll hear the liberals parrot this too. It's no, George Papadopoulos did it. George Papadopoulos, this low-level Trump advisor, met with Alexander Downer, this Australian diplomat in the United Kingdom, talked about this Russian dirt, and that's what did it. He passed on the information, and there you go. Bingo, we got it. Well, ladies and gentlemen, what's the problem with this? The problem is when you go into a FISA court, there's a verification process for the information and you're supposed to present exculpatory information too. at some point. If it indicates that the, the target, let me give you an easier example of this because sometimes it's a little complicated. Me haven't been a federal agent. If I walk into court and swear in front of a judge for a search warrant that I believe there's probable cause that a crime, a crime has been committed, that there's evidence in this location, and I fail to put out there evidence that indicates that the person I'm targeting and the house we're looking to get a warrant on is in fact not the place, and I, I fail to include evidence that that person may not be guilty of the crime, ladies and gentlemen, the chances of losing your job, if not being put up on criminal charges yourself, depending on the severity of the allegation, are significant. It's becoming clear as day now that the FBI, according to multiple members of Congress who have seen this information, had information that George Papadopoulos was completely innocent of this, that this Russian collusion thing was a fairy tale, was made up. But the information they presented to the FISA court was not that, folks, was not that. It was only the stuff alleged basically in the dossier and hearsay-based items that can never be verified. Now, why is this important that there may be exculpatory evidence? It's important, folks, 
because this whole entire case right now is married to this latest narrative. This is all they have. If the entire reason for investigating the Trump team was based on a case where the FBI had information, the guy they were targeting was not guilty at all. This whole thing collapses. The whole thing. That's why this is so critical. Now, what's the big question here? The big question is, what is the exculpatory evidence? And I want to put two potential theories out there for you. What is the exculpatory evidence, the evidence indicating Papadopoulos may not be guilty, that these members of Congress are saying exists, that's out there in the, in, in the ether? Let me make a suggestion to you, right? If this meeting with Downer in the Australian bar, Alexander Downer, and this so-called uh, you know, exchange of, oh, the Russians may have dirt on Hillary, and Downer was so suspicious. Anybody record that meeting? Do you find it even remotely interesting that Papadopoulos himself, who now that he, is, uh, he has taken a plea on this lying to a federal agent charge, you have, do you find it even remotely interesting that uh, Papadopoulos himself keeps bringing up the fact that he feels he was recorded? Why does that matter? Ladies and gentlemen, what if the recordings of this meeting with Downer say nothing of the sort about Russian collusion or anything else? Oh, that'd be a little bit of a problem now, wouldn't it? A little bit of a problem there. We'd have a little bit of an issue. You think maybe a FISA judge would want to know that? There there may have been a recording of this? I'm not sure there is. I'm just saying it's out there. It's out there that there may be something. What if it's a recording of this conversation that's not exactly the way the FBI painted it? Ooh, yeah, that one stings a little bit. Ooh, ah. Let me make another suggestion to you. The guy who supposedly gave Papadopoulos this information about the Russian dirt, this guy Mifsud, I call him the pusher. He pushes the information into the sphere, according to multiple reports on this. They interviewed Mifsud. They interviewed him, the FBI, in February. Before, before the last FISA renewal. Before the last FISA renewal in front of a judge where they swore to a FISA court again. Oh, Papadopoulos paid. We got to get these guys. What if Mifsud, who allegedly pushed this information about Russian dirt into the Trump sphere that was pulled out later. What if he wasn't working for the Russians at all? What if he was working for friendlies? Folks, the the book lays it out. I think a pretty conclusive case that somebody has a lot of explaining to do about exactly who Joseph Mifsud was. Is this potentially exculpatory evidence that George Papadopoulos was set up the whole time? He was the fall guy? That he was going to be the one? Maybe they targeted a low-level guy because they thought it would be easy? Folks, this is the scandal of the century. And Radcliffe's interview with Maria Maria Bartiromo this week is very telling. It's telling for very precise reasons. He's indicating that the entire case the FBI is making right now was that George Papadopoulos started this thing while there's potentially information out there saying George Papadopoulos may be innocent of the whole thing altogether. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right, let me take some calls. If you want to get to the calls, uh, if you want to give us a call, excuse me, 877-381-3811. Let's take uh, Paul from Los Angeles. could be interesting. Paul, what do you got for us? Hey, good afternoon, Dan. How are you? 
Very good. I, um, I'm a fan, man. I listen to your podcast every day. Oh, thanks, brother. Appreciate it. I've been that. on hold for a day and a half here, so I, well, what more can I do for you today? But You I, are uh, the man, Hold. That's why I saw that. You, you've been on hold so long, it actually cycled over the hold time, so I'm like, I, I wanted, better get to I wanted to tease that, that cat, I think we're being a little rough on that, Kathy, because... I kind of think she's the same lady who sells that red copper skillet where you can melt a Saturn. I love that red copper skillet. That's the greatest infomercial ever, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Um, we love that. I called originally about the fellow Wolf who was was pled guilty to lying to the FBI. He's the Senate staffer who was leaking to his girlfriend at the New York Times. So my question to you is, and I know you're talking about different things that are going on in the background. My question is, is there a grand jury? Is this guy Wolf? You know, he only pled out to lying. You know he did more than lie. We know that he leaked. That's a felony. Is he in front of a grand jury? Well, 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 here's, here's what I find interesting about Wolf. Wolf's lawyer, if you read back on some of the case documents, Wolf's lawyer at one point had um, put out there that in Wolf's defense, because remember, Wolf wasn't charged with leaking. Wolf was charged, and for, for folks, for those, for those of you out there who don't understand what he said, James, uh, James Wolf was a Senate staffer on the Intel Committee that was handling the Spygate investigation. He was arrested by federal agents for um, lying about basically lying about leaking. He wasn't arrested for leaking itself. That's fascinating because in his defense, his attorney was basically threatening to call who in his defense? The senators on the Senate Intel Committee. Why is that interesting and fascinating about the Wolf case? Because if Wolf is charged with lying about leaking and his lawyer's saying, no, no, he's not lying. We're going to call these senators in his defense. What does that tell you, folks? That maybe the senators on the Intel committee may have had some role in the selective leaking of information from the committee to the media to make Trump look bad. That's why I find Wolf's case fascinating. Wolf's case also, one more thing about it too. Paul Wolf in the text to his, uh, his girlfriend there who was working and writing stories for a couple media outlets. There's a fascinating series of texts where he texts 82 times to his girlfriend the day they get a hold of the actual FISA application. What's fascinating about that? The FISA application is how many pages? Oh, 82. 82 pages. 80, bingo, brother. 82 pages. Meaning what? Meaning if significant pages were redacted, which they are in the public document, right? He didn't send her the redactions. He may... He may have sent her the unredacted FISA application, which means what? It means the media's had this thing the whole time. They know this case is complete total crap. They've known it the whole time. And they're still propagating this myth that Donald Trump colluded with the Russians, even though they've had the FISA application and they know it's crap. Does that make sense? So, so my question then takes a little further. Um, yeah, we have a midterm coming up. Trump held back releasing the redacted material, the papers that the Congress, the different congressmen wanted released. What do you think? And I know this is a kind of a it's not a fair question to you. The end game on this. No, it's a fair question. Perfectly legit. Perfectly legit question. Mueller's winding down. That's what they tell us anyway. And Trump has all the all these bullets in his holster. 
What's the end game? Is there a grand jury? Are there going to be? I'm, I'm going to give you a difficult but true answer here. It is all right now about leverage. Paul, don't view the Mueller probe as a criminal investigation. It's not. It is. Yeah, it has criminal authority. I get that. I'm not trying to be silly. The Mueller probe is a political investigation designed to damage Donald Trump. Donald Trump's approval numbers are going up. Mueller's approval numbers are going down. Why expend all of your tactical political ammo by declassifying now? I know it's not a convenient answer. I know that. But I'm what I'm suggesting to you, I'm sorry, I got to let you run, Paul. I got to take a break, but great question. I'm simply suggesting to you in the audience here that why expend the political capital to declassify now if you don't need it? Wait till after the midterms. Donald Trump's approval's going up. Everybody knows Mueller's witch hunt is a witch hunt. Their approval's going down. Not a convenient answer. I get it. I'm just trying to tell you, folks, don't sell Trump short. I think he's playing this tactically very smart right now. All right, I'm Dan Bongino in for Mark Levin. We'll be right back. Mark Levin. Welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. As I'm tweeting a response on my Facebook, you know, you really should, Rich, probably like, focus, Dan. Focus. The guy's still at it with this Clinton surplus thing. He can't get past it. That is not true. This guy on Facebook, I swear, he's committed to the fact that he thinks this thing is real. All right, folks, go pick up uh, Jack Levin's uh, new book coming out October 30th, Mark's Dad, Our Police. Uh, the family's very proud of it. Go check it out. Available for pre-order on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Please, uh, Jack Levin, Our Police. It's a beautifully illustrated book. You're not going to want to miss out on this one. Our Police, Amazon, Barnes and Noble. Hey, I appreciate all the good calls tonight. I, I, I have to tell you though, I think, um, you know, the, the the times I've filled in for Mark of all the calls I've gotten, the Kathy call is by far my favorite. So, Mister Call Screen, I want to give you a special shout out tonight. You know, Mr. Producer, you always get a lot of love, but Mr. Call Screener, you brought it tonight. Kathy was the greatest call ever. She has inspired a generation of people, Levin listeners, to Facebook and tweet me about how awesome Kathy was. She really was just absolutely terrific. She embodied every single thing liberal callers do. They have no grasp of the facts whatsoever. They make ridiculous arguments. I mean, I mean, arguments so absurd and hyperbolic that it's hard to take them seriously. They scream them really loud in an effort to gaslight you. And then when you ask them a relatively simple question, her assertion was, "I, I've, no, we have no representation in Congress." I said, well, tell me who your representative is. I I have no idea. We even let her Google it. Rich was even kind enough to put on the Jeopardy music in the background to do to give her time to Google it, and she still didn't know. Upsetting, but that's the way um, they roll. So I mean, <laughs> I I really I need a copy of that. I have to. It's it was probably my. I don't think I've ever had a better time on the show. <laughs> it was the greatest thing ever. It really was. You couldn't have planned that. Any That's why I asked her if she was a conservative plant. A conservative plant calling as a liberal to let America know what liberals really are like. No, Mr. Call Screener insists she really was a liberal. Unlike that guy last time. Remember Mr. Call Screener? He faked it. He pretended to be a liberal. And he was really a conservative. I remember. <laughs> he got you on that one, didn't he? That guy was. He called in. Oh, I'm a lib. I want to argue with Dan. He gets on. He's like, we love you, Dan. You're great. I just wanted to tell you. <laughs> Uh, was it from Baltimore? I remember, was it Mike from Baltimore? 
Hey, folks, thanks a lot. I really appreciate you tuning in. If you want to follow me, I'm at DeBongino on Twitter. You want to pick up a copy of my latest book? It's called Spygate. It's available now on Amazon. Thanks to you, it's become a bestseller. I really appreciate it. And I'm sure I'll see you back here soon. Take care. Have a great day. See you all.